land is mine. God gave this land to me. This brave and ancient land to me. Then I see a land where children can run free. So take my hand and walk this land with me, and walk this lovely. Good evening. Welcome to Yada Yada Radio. I'm here both with uh, Kirk and Dee this evening. I want to start in uh, Israel, where uh, I think is our outreach via social media this evening. Uh, this past week, a uh, very sad uh, situation took place in uh, Israel. 200,000 Haredi, that's the uh, ultra-Orthodox uh, variation of uh, Judaism. It's really the only significant strain of Judaism um, uh, observed in Israel these days. It's the second largest in America. I think Reform Judaism is number one in America. And then uh, uh, ultra-Orthodox, uh, they're the ones that go around in the black morning suits, little curly cues on the side of their head. Mm-hmm. 200,000 of them gathered this week to bury a dead rabbi. Well, I'm glad he was dead mm-hmm. before they buried him. That was probably a, a good thing. Uh, but uh, can you imagine? There isn't one of them that knows Yahweh. This rabbi is yeah. uh, is destined to shield. Uh, he got congratulations by uh, everything from Secretary of State of the United States to, to Prime Minister of Israel, Netanyahu, as a great spiritual leader. I'm telling you, he is headed, his soul, soul is probably already in Sheol. Yeah. I mean, how in the world can you be an honorable leader and a shepherd in Israel if you don't know or use Yahweh's name? How right. can you claim to observe and teach the Torah if you don't know that God hates religion? If you don't even know one of the conditions of the covenant, much less all five, if you don't know the benefits of the covenant, and none of them do, because in Judaism there is no salvation. He doesn't know any one of the conditions of the covenant, doesn't know Yahweh's name, didn't know any of these things, had no idea who the Messiah was or is. Mm-hmm. 
does not know who the Son of God is, doesn't know who our Savior is, and it's blatant. I mean, you read the Torah and Prophets, it's obvious that everything revolves around Dod. And yet all he could come up with was a damn star, which is more identified with the false Messiah, Bar Kokhba, than it is with anybody else. Israel is completely and utterly lost religiously. The Orthodox are nothing but parasites. And the people of Israel know it. I mean, Israel right now is a house divided. On one side, you've got the progressives that um, are gender confused. They have no idea what it means to be parents, raise a family, uh, be productive in a free enterprise system. They don't understand the value of work. They don't understand the, the value of family. And they are utterly confused uh, sexually. Uh, and, you know, progressives have, have essentially trashed evidence and reason. That's about 40% of Israel, and about 40% is ultra-religious. Lost on both sides. And here, Yahweh is within 10 years of returning. And there aren't 100 people in Israel that know his name and use his name. There aren't 100 people that know that he's returning with Yahweh, that Dode is returning with Yahweh. In fact, they even call him David, as if there's a V in Hebrew. Or if there was a I in his name in any of the books written within 200 years of his life. Or in any of the Psalms he wrote with his own hand. Don't know what the 22nd Mismore says about him. What the 89th Mismore says about him. What the entire book of Shamuel has to say about him. Can't process it. They will deny that he was the Son of God, even though God says it multiple times. They will deny that he is the Messiah, inspect an unknown Messiah, even though God says it repeatedly, that he is my Messiah. He even came to Babylon, of all places, and told Daniel, this is the day I'm going to show up in Jerusalem to be cut off, but not for myself, as the Messiah. So delivered that message, and then he lived it, becoming the Passover lamb, and then serving to take Israel's guilt into Sheol to deposit it there. This rabbi didn't know that. Didn't share it with his people. And yet 200,000 well, at least they were dressed for it. They didn't have to go out and find a suit for the funeral. It's what they wear every day. At least that part of it's handy. <laughs> Things in uh, in the Ukraine are continuing to get much worse. Um, uh, America is now bragging that uh, that Russia has the second-ranked uh, uh, army in the Ukraine uh, and continues to uh, beg the world for all sorts of additional armament. We ran out of TNT, so we couldn't even give them the uh, the ordinance that uh, we wanted for their offensive. Had to go beg Japan to uh, provide it. 
all the while, nuclear weapons are now being proliferated. The Belarus uh, leader invited uh, anybody who was a part of the Russian alliance uh, to partake. And his uh, words, nuclear weapons for all. Yes, we have uh, really made the world a much safer place. Lindsey Graham may have made the most disgusting statement in the history of elected American officials. And yet no one really seems to care. I'm just flabbergasted that uh, Lindsey Graham could uh, look the camera in the lens and say, Russians are dying. It's the best money the United States ever spent. Russians are dying. It's the best money America ever spent. What in That's the gross. hell is wrong with you? What's wrong with our country? Totally gross. Lindsey Graham is a lost cause. He is a disgusting human being. It's Lindsey Graham who went with John McCain to the Ukraine, what, in uh, 20, 2000 and, uh, and uh, 14, 2016, way, way before there was ever any talk of Russia uh, taking the bait that America laid, where America said we're going to arm the Ukraine and make it part of uh, NATO, uh, years before that, and told the Ukrainians that uh, your war will be our war. We will fight with you to the bitter end against Russia. And we want to tell one another that the Russians started this war and they should be sanctioned. They're the bad guys. When Lindsey Graham went to the Ukraine with John McCain and declared war on Russia, what, almost 10 years before it materialized? And then he says, Russians dying, it's the best money the U.S. ever spent. This conflict will end in a nuclear confrontation. America will continue to squander its resources, providing all manner of weaponry and force all of our allies to do the same to the point that Russia has no other option but to use the nuclear alternative. And at this point, you know, the Ukraine has got Patriot missile systems, defense systems, which, of course, they're not operating. It's Americans that are operating them. They've got F-16 aircraft. Uh, and they have long-range uh, uh, crews and other forms of missiles that they're actually shooting now into Moscow and other places in Russia. I mean, I don't think it's possible to be more insane than we have been in this regard. It's going to end exceedingly badly for the, uh, the world. Back in uh, 2000, early in 2000, uh, February, March of 2000, uh, I went way out on a uh, limb with uh, making um, uh, two statements that were completely counter to what everyone was saying. And if you said either one of these two things, you were labeled an ignoramus. Both of them turned out to be absolutely true. Uh, and it's, uh, it's very common for us to be able to do this. Uh, we do it on almost every subject. But in uh, 2000, the first thing I said is that the uh, COVID-19 virus is an artifact of a, um, of a lab accident at the Wunan uh, Institute. 
uh, and uh, there they were deliberately contaminating uh, bats with uh, multiple strains of, uh, of viruses so that they, they found a combination of Ebola and HIV and SARS, and uh, that is the, uh, the escaped animal from the lab that, uh, that began the, uh, the COVID spread. But they did far more than that. They were actually paid by the United States uh, tens of millions of dollars. It might have been hundreds of millions of dollars uh, to do gain-of-function research that had been banned around the world. But we paid mm. the Chinese to do it in a substandard lab. And gain-of-function research means that you, you develop ways that the virus is more effective in attaching to a, a human host so that it spreads more uh, effectively. And now it's more deadly because it has three different types of viruses built into one. And I said, it came from the lab. I said, it's obvious that it came from the lab. I will give you, in fact, we did show upon Joe, explain the reason why. That was the common denominator through it all. There was no other viable option. And yet uh, anybody that said that was labeled a, uh, a racist and, but like, well, now the top Chinese scientist has finally conceded, yeah, it came from the lab. The, uh, the research America uh, just completed uh, in Congress said, yeah, it came from that lab. The saddest thing about that is that because it came from the lab and because there were so many research papers on it uh, and because it actually came out of the lab in September, uh, of 2019, had the Chinese been forthright, it would have been contained. Vaccines would have been developed much uh, faster, uh, and it never would have spread around the world multiple times, killing people in such a quantity. The second thing I said about uh, COVID in uh, the very, very early spring of 2019 is that the lockdowns depriving people of their liberty and livelihoods was going to be grossly counterproductive. That the places, whether it's states or countries, that locked down their citizens were going to uh, find that they had a higher mortality rate, not only from the disease, but the consequence of the lockdowns was going to be catastrophic thereafter in terms of supply lines, food supplies, uh, people's livelihoods, the economy, the value of your currency. And, of course, it was going to radically increase suicides, which it has done, radically increase drug, drug uh, dependence and drug deaths, which it has done, and domestic violence, which it has done. All of those things. And every one of those things turned out to be true. Across the board. It is surprisingly easy when you study the Torah and prophets to know what's going to happen before it happens. And you can look at human malfeasance and say, this is what they're doing uh, that is wrong. And uh, as I say, we have over these years broadcast this message and continually been right. I am uh, continue to be appalled at the American judicial system. Uh, there was a, uh, a man uh, this week that served 21 years in prison uh, for the deaths of two Michigan hunters. Uh, 21 years in prison. He wasn't even in the same county 
when these two men were killed. And the reason he was finally uh, released, even though there was no evidence of any kind to tie him to the murders, and yet a prosecutor nonetheless prosecuted him, and a jury nonetheless convicted him. That's one of the problems today. You know, you're being judged by people who can't think. And yet he spent 21 years, he wasn't even in the same county. And he was finally released because the district attorney deliberately and knowingly withheld information of a uh, mass murderer who was at the scene of the crime who uh, later confessed to the crime. And because he wanted high prosecution rates, he decided to go ahead and withhold that information. And this man spent 21 years in prison because of a prosecutor, because of a jury for a crime he didn't commit. Now, one of the things that just I found stunning uh, and talk about just how irrational people have become, you know, Fox recently uh, agreed to pay Dominion voting machines almost $800 billion, excuse me, $800 million. $800 million is a settlement uh, for uh, uh, besmirching their reputation. Now, can you imagine a company, which is a, uh, it's a privately held company, but it is uh, very public in its, uh, in its uh, uh, reference because uh, they are one of three leading manufacturers of voting machines used in the United States. And you had, um, because Trump uh, uh, said, you know, these voting machines, they've been tampered with. They're, uh, they're uh, made in China. They're, uh, they're made uh, to be, you know, to, to spit out erroneous data. It all was nonsense. But there were reasons to suspect that the vote count in America was manipulated, but it wasn't because of the voting machines. Anyway, uh, Fox News, because they were at the time rabid Trump supporters, ran with the story, Dominion, bad, bad, bad. And it's true that Tucker knew that what he was saying was untrue, and he even had private text saying, oh, okay, well, it's not true, but, you know, it's, it's, they're paying the bills. I'm going to go ahead and promote this. So he, he said things about Dominion that uh, were not true. And uh, there's a consequence of, uh, of doing that. Um, it's very difficult to prove that uh, you had uh, uh, you have criminal uh, libel or slander because of the fact that we're dealing with with two very public entities, uh, and, and so the burden of proof is very high. And then you have to show damages. So here's the big issue: How in the world was Dominion harmed? nearly $800 million. Do you know the valuation of, of Dominion? <laughs> Dominion was purchased by a, uh, uh, one of the uh, uh, um, Wall Street type. But again, this one happens to be Staples Capital, so it's a much smaller boutique firm, but an investment uh, uh, capital and investment company. Uh, they were uh, valued about uh, four years ago uh, on the acquisition. They, the uh, Founders of the company sold the company uh, to, I think it's called Staple Street uh, Investors. What, what do you think the value of this company was that somehow was harmed $800 million? I doubt if it was $100 million, much less. 80. 80. 80 million. So how do you yeah. do, 
How do you do $800 million to a company that's worth $80 million? <laughs> Impossible. And by oh. doing this, the CEO of Dominion Voting Machines caught on uh, 60 Minutes, who did a, you know, a puff piece on them. It, the, the 60 Minutes interview and having, you know, they're liberals, so they, they would hate what Trump is saying. So they essentially did a, a puff piece for Dominion Voting Machines that had to be worth, I don't know, $25 million. And so all the hubbub made them a household name, uh, so their name identity through the roof, and they have all this positive press, like from 60 Minutes and other uh, major news stories, and yet Fox was stupid enough to give them a company whose value was $80 million, $800 million? I mean, we've lost our marbles as a... Uh, as a nation. Well, with uh, that known, I, I just have one other uh, quick, uh, quick one here. There's, there's a uh, a group um, that uh, got uh, in the center of a controversy at Dodger Stadium. Um, the uh, the uh, group is uh, um, is calls themselves. Um, Oh, what is the uh, the name of them? Uh, uh, it's uh, a group that dresses up in drag, and they mock uh, societal trends. They're 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 a way of just kind of poking uh, fun at uh, at themselves and and everybody else. So they dress up as drag queens. That's something I want to see. But if you look at them, they're all colorful in their rainbow uh, colors. And uh, at, as I say, it's a uh, it's a uh, comedic uh, right. presentation. And so the Catholic Church says, oh, but they're, they're making uh, a mockery of us. It's, it's blasphemy what they're doing. He says, you know, I represent the nation's largest lay Catholic advocacy organization. You know, if you are a Catholic and you're admitting it, shame on you with all of the abuse of uh, little children. And it is the most abusive organization in the world in terms of the, uh, the torment uh, that has been uh, perpetrated on little boys uh, by their priests. And he says, we believe in Tom-honored values of, of life and family and freedom and the right of priests to, to sexually abuse little boys. How dare you have this comedic group that will make fun of us. We are therefore going to boycott Dodger baseball and Dodger Stadium, and we will not allow this anti-Catholic bigotry mocking our religious sisters or celebrating a perverse activist group which has blasphemy and mockery of Catholics. It is just disgusting. Now, the group, the, the, the uh, drag queen anti Catholic group. They say they're not even anti-religious. They say we're just trying to be funny. They're called the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Is the name of the, of the group. Very funny. good. Uh, and so the Roman Catholic Church, rather than 
spending a million dollars trying to uh, help the little boys that they uh, molested. He's going to spend a million dollars advertising to encourage the Catholics to boycott the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers. And they said, you know, that uh, it's obvious that uh, that the uh, Dodger organization has no respect for the altar of God. Which one? <laughs> what, what God are we talking about here? Oh, God. Good one. You know, I guess we ought to be laughing. Uh, yeah, I was not laughing, and he's just disgusting. No, he's at this uh, at this whole thing. But uh, I guess they have their uh, uh, ten years to play around. Um, you can pretend to be your uh, virtuous uh, Catholic and hide from the fact of the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of little boys that uh, you have molested, and in, uh, in your church. But uh, you know, go ahead and have that, or you can pretend to be family-oriented and have been the, the most anti-Semitic organization in, in world history uh, with 2,000 years of abuse of, uh, of Jews um, or of pulling what you knew was the ultimate fraud off on, uh, on the people of the world to empower your organization. Good luck with that when it comes judgment time. All right, we were... <clears throat> reviewing oh kirk you said you had something on ai oh, yeah this before is, we get into uh, this, our psalm yes i uh, i have a neighbor who's a uh, head of a major major computer company and they're really nice people we went to dinner with them and i was telling him about i'd like to do some advertising locally for smart and uh, he said well here's what we're going to do i'll show you how to write it and i thought he was going to write something and he he went and he said i have chat gpt and I said, what's that? And he said, you know how much I keep up. He said, uh, it'll write everything for you. It's an AI program. And he showed it to me, and it was phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And I thought, boy, that's great. And I got the app, and uh, sure enough, I'm probably will, uh, I won't have to change a little bit to write this ad. And it was a really good ad for specifically to the product I was trying to sell, mm-hmm. art product. And all that stuff, so I was pretty jazzed. And then yesterday, um, uh, Sylvia was talking to one of her friends that uh, lives in UC Davis and, and Davis and at the university, husband's professor, I believe, and, and they were talking about the new AI news, and they they ask um, they ask an AI to re, to gather information uh, and tell us whether the Nazis were uh, justified in their attempt to exterminate the Jews. I thought. Now, you have to remember, AI is a program based on gathering information from 99% of the world, which is uh, not uh, friendly to Jews to begin with. And number two, they don't have an Osama. Yet it came back. You know, it's a machine. It came back, Mm -hmm. and it said, uh, yes, they were. I was stunned. I was stunned. Yeah, amazing. Uh, I had a friend that uh, put my name into one of the public AI uh, engines, and uh, it took the uh, you know a, a complete religious point of view to uh, criticize uh, what I uh, did. It, the, the good news is is that that my uh, my conclusions are are uh, not uh, accepted in the theological community, uh, and that I have. Uh, extreme positions against uh, Islam in particular. 
with Prophet of Doom and that the mainstream scholarship does not agree with my positions. Uh, all I did was put the Quran in chronological order into the context of Muhammad's life and showed that he was a pedophile and a rapist and a ruthless terrorist. And mass murderer. Uh, and, yeah. Yeah, and, and worse, <laughs> uh, mass murderer. Uh, and uh, that somehow uh, doesn't pass muster with a, a, an AI program. But what I have found is the reason why I have uh, I've just been nonplussed by AI. It uh, doesn't bother me one way or the other is that they're simply programmed by people who have a political agenda. And uh, it's like science today. Science today isn't science. It's uh, it's highly politicized. Uh, Yeah. And uh, and even uh, doctors are now called scientists. Doctors are not called scientists. It has nothing to do with uh, with uh, science. Science is a very disciplined. Uh, it used to be uh, regimen where you would uh, do uh, research. There were very um, strict rules about the way that you would uh, do uh, conduct your research, and then you would publish your uh, your findings based upon what you uh, had uh, had studied. You know, medical doctors go to school a lot, but it's uh, and they're studying uh, the human body, but they're not per se, scientists. They're, they're not doing experiments, no. Yeah, they're not doing experiments. So if they are doing experiments and there's something wrong, <laughs> wrong with them, they need to go to jail. Yeah. Then you're dealing so. with Mengele again. <laughs> uh, but it is, yeah. uh, it's astonishing how we have uh, come up with this idea that AI is, is, uh, is spectacular. Now, I, I can tell you that AI can probably outthink the average human because most people have given up <laughs> the whole concept of thinking. Uh, you know, reason, logic, <laughs> evidence uh, it doesn't mean anything. The, the rules of debate, fallacies that uh, we have generations that are completely ignorant of these things. They have been so indoctrinated uh, with uh, all manner of, uh, of political correctness uh, and wokeism. They can't think. I was listening to a, uh, a uh, debate uh, today and the uh, two very, very bright people were talking to one another. And they were talking about how um, this uh, transgender experiment has been uh, one of the most calamitous uh, events uh, to uh, take place in the world. And that uh, uh, the deaths associated with are catastrophic. It's, they're mostly suicides. And mm-hmm. that, uh, one of the things they said is, you know, somebody says, I identify as a woman. And so this gentleman who had done considerable research in, uh, into this said, you know, I decided that when I began this, all you can really use is sarcasm because their positions are so inane and so stupid that sarcasm appears to be the only you can do. And then when you find this uh, and see the mutilation and then suicidal deaths uh, and the complete emotional destruction of these individuals uh, and their mental health, and then it becomes too sick to use sarcasm anymore. Uh, so he said, you know, and I can't get through to them. So I finally realized there's only one thing we can do. When somebody says, I identify, man says, I identify as a woman. Well, what does that mean? What is a woman? No one can tell you. <laughs> well, and man can tell you. There is not one of them, not a single advocate of transgender can tell you what a woman is. I identify as a woman. What's that? What do you mean? They can't 
Can't answer the question. Yeah. And he says, well, you can't answer the question. What what in the hell are you doing? And why are you trying to push this on me as if I have to agree? Uh, One of the things they said is that you know, if we don't affirm their uh, their gender choices uh, for this alphabet soup, that uh, uh, it's catastrophic for them, and we're going to see this rash of of additional suicides, and and it's uh, it's grossly unfair, and we're violating their rights. Well, you would say, all right, if that's true, then uh, and they say that these tendencies have been around for forever. Okay, so. Why aren't there any suicide notes from uh, frustrated transgender people in the past that said, I I, I tried to come out, but my society wouldn't accept me, and so I had no choice but to commit suicide? There aren't any. And yet, today it's epidemic. Uh, uh, we don't treat other mental disorders with the same treatment. Imagine validating schizophrenia or bipolar and saying, oh, there really are nine people inside of you and you're all of them and formatting society to embrace this way of thinking where we all change our reality to suit the insane. I mean, they need help, not validation. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not sure they need help. I, I watched a documentary uh, a couple nights ago uh, while having uh, dinner uh, and this very compassionate, very articulate uh, uh, youngish man uh, in his 40s came on. He's devoted, devoted his life to the inner cities and, uh, and drug addiction. Uh, and something has transpired here in the last uh, year and a half, started in Puerto Rico. Uh, that has become catastrophic, and we have zombies now in our city. Uh, and that is that fentanyl uh, has a very short life within the uh, person that's using it. It, it lasts uh, maybe two or three hours, and then its effect wears off. Uh, so, and the more you use it, the more you need to get to the same level. So it was found that if you mix fentanyl with either horse or elephant um, tranquilizer, horse or or elephant tranquilizer, the effect lasts longer. But unfortunately, it renders those people complete and utter zombies. These are not people now that you can help. Right. They're gone. They're, They're the walking dead. And... They are all over cities like Philadelphia, San Francisco, uh, Portland, Seattle. Uh, And it's not just that we have cities filled with people living in their own feces, uh, where Mm -hmm. the inner cities are, are like sewers. It's all the people, too, that had businesses there. They had a hair salon. They had you know, a jewelry store, they had a little market, they're all boarded up. And Mm. then you have the liberal politician that is uh, uh, saying, that. well, you just leave them alone, you can't help them unless they ask for help. And no, I mean, it's gone. We've we've gone so far beyond 
the pail, that there's uh, there's nothing you can do. Now, well, one of the things before we uh, go on to the Mismore is that uh, Leia and uh, Dee have begun to use AI. There's an AI program that does a mm-hmm. marvelous job of creating uh, little videos and animations where you mix uh, uh, movement, uh, images, and then there's, there are sites that you can pay a fee to uh, so that you can use really outstanding images that they, uh, that they have. So um, I said, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll pay the, the, the annual fee for the access to the site. And, and we, uh, we bought uh, a license with the uh, AI engine. But the two combination together, if you go to their social media at uh, yada yada, either Twitter or Facebook, you'll see many of them. They are mm-hmm. really first rate. I mean, they're gorgeous animations uh, with the music and the spoken word and, and images, uh, all directing the viewer's attention to the yadaya.com site. Uh, so there is uh, some benefit from uh, AI. And oh, well, I think it's a great idea, but uh, yeah. I, it was, you, you, don't, you don't ask moral questions to it. Mm-mm. It's not a morality. No, but you know, we're programming an, uh, an animation or video um, uh, and putting the pictures together such that there, as you can tell your story and integrating uh, words and images, that took a, a very a significant amount of, of programming know-how to be able to do it and an artistic mm-hmm. uh, um experience to be able to do it. And now using these tools, uh, someone with just a sense of style and knowledge can create a beautiful, compelling message. So it is a really, really nice uh, tool in uh, this regard. Put a lot of programmers probably out of business, but it is, uh, uh, I've just just been dazzled with the quality of the product they have uh, been able to produce. All right, so that's our, that's our story. We're sticking with it. We're going to go right back to the 89th Mismore. For uh, those that may not know, um, the 89th Mismore is the cornerstone of the covenant of Yahweh's home. Uh, it is the, uh, it's probably the, the most important piece of literature um, after the Torah itself. Uh, it uh, was revealed in all likelihood, in year uh, 968 BCE, which is year 3000 Yah, uh, which is the year that construction commenced on Yahweh's home called the uh, the Temple uh, in uh, Jerusalem, um, and it was uh, written um, by a a man that we didn't even consider a prophet until you realized that. Well, everything he says in this is prophetic. So uh, Ethan, which means constant and eternal, productive and established, this Rocky is the beloved, native-born, strong arm, uh, is the, um, uh, well, I don't know if you want to call him the scribe of this or the prophet <clears throat> behind it, but he was a contemporary of, uh, of Dode, who also became uh, the wisest of Solomon's advisors. So someone who knew Dode well, knew Yahweh well, uh, uh, lived at the, at the time that Yisrael was uh, integrated and united 
and that uh, Jerusalem was the capital and the, uh, what a wonderful home that Dode had built, the city of Dode, and now the, uh, the temple uh, was being constructed. Uh, this is the timing of this, and it has a singular message. And that singular message is the single most important person in the world, your Savior, your Messiah, your King, your Chosen One, uh, the Exemplar of the Covenant, uh, the Son of God, and the Messiah is Dode David. And when we come to recognize his place and God's plans in our lives, everything falls into place. We, we understand the covenant, the father and, and son nature, father and daughter nature of the covenant family, how the Mikre were specifically fulfilled, what benefit they provide, how they integrate together with the, the covenant, um, and how Yahweh chooses to work with the best among us. And that certainly is Dode. So this is Yahweh speaking as he does uh, throughout uh, much of this Mizmor psalm. And he says, I have established cutting through separation, Parat, the Bereth, the covenant for the family home, through my Bashar, chosen one, I have sworn an oath, and I will affirm this promise seven times over, Shabbat, to Dode, my Ebed, authorized agent and co-worker, who serves on my behalf. Mismore, lyrics to sing, Psalm 89.3. If you didn't go any further and you just processed the implications of those words, then you would have obliterated the foundation of Christianity and Judaism. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You would understand this link between the Mikre and the covenant, between Dode and the covenant. You would understand the covenant is a family. You can understand uh, the concept of free will that underlies it. And you would understand that it was through Dode that Yahweh affirmed the promise that he made to Abraham and Yishak on Mount Moriah, and the covenant was confirmed. You would also understand that Yahweh chooses to work through us, with us. Now, he doesn't choose to work through and with all of us, and typically not even some of us. He usually chooses to work with one of us. And the person that he was most active working with and through was Dode. And it's not just that he anointed Dode to be the Messiah. It's not just that he called Dode his son and I am his father. It's not that he just appointed Dode to be the king of Israel. It's not just that he is coming back with Dode and that Dode is going to anoint the mercy seat, the Kippurah of the Ark of the Covenant so that we can fulfill the Torah and that Israel can be reconciled with Yahweh on the day of reconciliations in year 6000, yeah, October 2nd, 3022, or, or, or 2033. 
Yeah, 2033. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is that, that Yahweh agreed to support Dode's choice to fulfill each one of the seven Moed Mikre. You know, in Judaism, they don't even know they're fulfilled. They're still celebrating Passover as if it were an historic event, as if Passover represented freedom from Egypt. It's actually freedom from Mitzrayim, and it just opened the door to life, is what it specifically did, in Mitzrayim, which is the crucibles of religious and political oppression. But the rabbis don't even acknowledge that Chag Matzah exists or that there is a Mikra of Matzah, a Chag of Matzah, that Matzah is the most Kodesh set apart. From Yahweh's point of view, the single most important day every year is the Mikra of Matzah. And in Judaism, it's not even acknowledged. Passover lasts seven days. Not from Yahweh's perspective. From Yahweh's perspective, matzah lasts seven days. Pesach is merely the first day of those seven. That's how badly Judaism has it screwed up. But Dode volunteered to serve as the Passover lamb. Dode volunteered to take his people's guilt with his soul into Sheol to fulfill matzah, which is the doorway to perfection, the threshold of perfection, this opportunity to distance oneself from the corrupting effect of religion and politics. And Dode volunteered to do that, the most courageous and compassionate active in all of human history. Yep. As, as courageous and compassionate as it was to volunteer, which Dode did to serve as the Passover lamb, and to have the Romans torture him to the extent that they did, fulfilling unyeasted bread to remove the stench and stigma of religion from his people was a far greater sacrifice. And Yahweh made all this possible, and he made it possible because Dode wanted it. Dode chose to do this because he was a student of the Torah. He looked at Moshe and realized that Moshe was the most exemplary human being who has ever lived. He started off right. I mean, look what he did when he saw the taskmaster beat a Hebrew, and here he was in a lap of luxury, and yet he went off after the taskmaster to save the Hebrew, who he didn't even know. Risked his life, his reputation, put it all on the line to do the right thing, to protect an innocent man. But his people immediately turned on him. They were ready to ride him out to the uh, uh, to the Pharaoh. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, uh, Moshe, having had the courage to do the right thing, the character to do the right thing, leaves uh, Mitzrayim and uh, becomes a shepherd. First week, he's out there. He sees uh, some uh, young ladies come up with their flock. And a whole band of bad guys comes and attacks them, 
threatens them, going to steal their sheep, who knows do what to them. And Moshe stands up. He's not armed. He stands up on behalf of the women that he didn't even know against those who would plunder them. Mm-hmm. Risk his life. No, no gain, just did it for the right reasons. It's a man of exemplary character. And then Yahweh approaches him on Mount uh, Toreb and, and says, you know, I want to introduce myself. My, my, I'm God, by the way. Uh, good to meet you, Moshe. <laughs> um, I, I, I've, got a, I've got a little project uh, for us here. <clears throat> I take off your shoes, by the way, get comfortable. Uh, <laughs> this is our project. We're going to go back into Mitzrayim, and uh, we're going to uh, liberate uh, the Hebrews. They say, what? <laughs> you know they're going to kill me. <laughs> you want to do what? <laughs> and you want to do that with me? They got the most powerful army in the world, and I'm a shepherd. Okay, I did a nice job standing up to those robbers. <laughs> I was pretty fearsome. But you want me to do what? <laughs> no, nah, it's going to be good. Trust me on this. No, I'm not doing it. Oh, yeah, 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 you are. Yeah, you are, because there's nobody else I can choose. You're the guy. And, you know, finally Moshe comes around and says, all right, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll do this. But uh, And then for 40 years, Moshe is the epitome of perfection. And he's hurting the most disgruntled, embittered, pig-headed people in the history of the world. I mean, I can't understand how can a religious Jew celebrate Passover and the Exodus when they were jerked the entire time? I mean, read the story. There isn't a moment where they're exemplary. They're just absolutely rotten. And here's Moshe and Yahweh doing everything for them. Protecting them, feeding them, uh, teaching them, nurturing them. Everything. They're in the presence of the creator God of the universe. <laughs> they say, oh, no, no, we don't want to hear from you again. Can you please just go away? We'd much rather go build a golden calf over here. We're more comfortable with that. Yeah, we want to go back to uh, to Egypt. Yeah, life was better in Egypt than it is around you. We're not going to the promised land. Oh, no, there's scary people in the promised land. What would you do, take us out here to die? I mean, they were miserable. And Moshe was as good as they come. And so Dode's looking at this. He's a student of the Torah. And Dode's realized, well, you know, uh, I don't measure up to Moshe. How in the world are you going to make me king forever over these people? Then it dawned on him. If uh, I volunteer to provide life, become the savior of my people, if I volunteer to fulfill Passover, and I open the doorway of life for Israel, and then I take Israel's guilt with my soul into Sheol, and become the firstborn of Bukurim, of firstborn children, such that I become the exemplar of what it means to be enriched and empowered 
by God on Shavuah. If I do those things and then return for them and anoint the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant of Reconciliations such that the remnant of Israel is renewed in their relationship with Yahweh, I, I think I'll garner my people's respect enough respect that at that point they'll follow me as a shepherd. I, I can lead them. That's why he did it. And Yahweh said, you're right. And I want to work. I've, my entire purpose of creation was to work through exemplary individuals. You're the most exemplary of all of them. We'll do this together as father and son. And they did. And that's what they're announcing here. And they reconfirm it throughout the Mismor. It's the single greatest treasure in the history of the world. The greatest archaeological find, the fountain of youth, the grand unification theory, the answer to salvation, the identity of God, all of it in this simple recognition of this relationship between Yahweh and Dode, father and son, as they would fulfill these promise of seven together. They chose each other. I have established, cutting through separation, the bereft, the covenant for the family home. This home is separated from the popular and common things of man, religion and politics conspiracy and militarism. I have established through separation, Karat, the Bereth Covenant family and home. And I have done so not independently, not through Jebus, not through Allah, not through Mohammed, for God's sake, not through Akiba or Mamadis or Edelman, or Edelstein, or whatever his name was. No. I did it through my chosen one. My Bashur. The one individual that I have personally decided upon. That I prefer over all others. I'm uh, just uh, translating now the uh, in my rewrite of Coming Home 2. The 18th Mizmor mm-hmm. is where I am currently. And uh, Dode is talking about uh, Yahweh um, taking him away from the uh, the anguish and the burden of fulfilling uh, Pesach and Mats and taking this great ex- uh, the great expanse of the heavens uh, together. And you know what he said, the reason that Yahweh did this for me? No, what? Because he enjoys my company. Because wow. he likes doing things with me. <laughs> That's so sweet. It's just so sweet. It is so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just so, yes, okay. I like you. He did it because he <laughs> likes to do stuff with me. You know, he could have said because he thinks I'm courageous. He could say that he did it because he thinks I'm really smart. He did it because, well, I volunteered to do this uh, this tough job or, are he did it because uh, I, 
You know, I'm, I'm his son, or I did it because <laughs> I'm the king, or I did it because I'm the Messiah, or I did it because I'm really smart, or I did it because I'm a prophet. No. He didn't even say I did it because he loves me. No, he did it because he likes to do stuff with me. Do stuff with me. <laughs> we have a good time together. That's why he did it. Well, that's what this means, Bashur, the chosen one. And then God goes, doubles down again, just in case you weren't with him, on the fact that he established his covenant. The covenant is established with Yahweh's chosen one. And just in case you don't understand that the covenant is the centerpiece of creation, it's not just the centerpiece of the Torah, it's the entire reason that creation occurred was the covenant family. Yahweh wanted to experience being a dad. He wanted to raise children. And he wanted to do stuff with his children. The covenant is the centerpiece of creation. And God just said, I established it with my chosen one. I didn't do it by myself. I did it with him. And just in case you don't get who him is, He says, I have sworn an oath, and I will affirm this promise seven times over. Shabbat. To To Dode. To Dode. Not to Jesus. Not to Hashem. Not to Rabbi Akiba or Mamamides or Edelman. Not to Bashem Tov. I swore my oath that I was going to affirm this promise seven times over of establishing my covenant, which is my family and my home, through Dode. And that's his name. Deleth, Wa, Deleth, Dode. Means beloved. And then he says, who is Dode? Just in case you, you, you're still not putting the picture together, that Yahweh chooses to work through those whose company he enjoys, those who he finds the experience of associating to be productive and rewarding. He says that Dode is my Ibed, my authorized agent. He's my co-worker. Ibed is from Abad to work, the one I work with. If you understand that statement, then you know what the covenant is about. You understand how to approach it. You understand Yahweh's desire to have a father-child, father-son, father-daughter relationship with us. You know how it's established. You know that it's based on seven steps. You know that God has made very specific promises regarding it. And the dode is the person that he is working through to accomplish it and that Yahweh likes to have us work with him. And then you can take it one step further and say, well, why was dode the one person, the only person that Yahweh says he is my chosen one? Only one. Why is dode 
the only one that God said, he is my son, I am his father. And when you can answer those questions, when you understand what it was about this man that caused God to fall in love with him and want to do stuff with him, then you'll understand the very nature and heart of the Almighty. You'll understand the reason that we exist, the purpose of life. Uh, yeah, it was opening declaration and Dode's song, as I call the 89th Mismore, is as inspiring as it is profoundly important. I have established cutting through separation, the Bereth Covenant family and home, through Ani Bashar, my chosen one, the person I prefer and have decided upon. I have sworn an oath. And I will affirm this promise seven times over, Shabbat, to Dode, the beloved, Ibid Ani, my authorized agent and co-worker who serves on my behalf. This declaration in God's voice reveals his nature, describes how he works, it presents what he is trying to achieve. It affirms that the Bereth Covenant is foremost in his mind. This means that Yahweh's priority is to be our father, to raise a family in his home by working through his son. The realization that the Bereth is karat, cut, and established through separation is relevant. Because God's home is distinctly different. It's unlike human renditions, particularly those portrayed by religious and popular culture and politics. And because it is unique and therefore uncommon to be part of it, one must disavow perceptions which have become universally accepted. Karat Bereth implies that there are some guiding principles associated with God's family as well. This highlights the fact that there are requirements for entry, and they must be met, and that there are benefits which are assured to those who accept them. It is a relationship after all. It's an agreement. And as such, the covenant is mutually beneficial. It is a participatory partnership. The recognition that the Breath family home is being established through Dode means that the Messiah and Son of God was instrumental in the process. And this means that every covenant member accepts the conditions and receives the benefits of the Breath Dode's life and lyrics exemplify the path to inclusion, and more importantly, he was instrumental in delivering the rewards. The benefits of the covenant are derived from the first four Mohadim, Kamatzah, Bakudim, and Shabuah, and Dode has already fulfilled them all. I had begun this process 22 years ago, and uh, I uh, recognized that, uh, that the covenant was established, or so I thought, with Abraham. And 
once you open the book of Barashith Genesis, there's a mesmerizing creation account that <clears throat> turns out to be precisely true. Um, and I would encourage you to read in the beginning um, in the Yada Yada series just to see how accurate it is. And then there's a marvelous depiction of, of Ghani Den, which the story becomes exceedingly relevant because that's where God is taking us back. That's where we're returning. But after that story, and a, a story that is fairly brief about the, uh, the flood, and, and again, scientifically proven that it happened in that way, and, and a very mm -hmm. interesting account of why God interacted with Noah uh, in this way at this time. Uh, from that point on, throughout most of the rest of the book of Barashif Genesis, it's the establishment of the covenant. And you go through it and you find that there are five conditions that uh, Yahweh laid out to Abraham. And along the way, he offered Abraham five benefits. And then you find Abraham and Yishak on Mount Moriah. Um, uh, equaling the, the examination that Yahweh had placed to define whether or not this was sincere on their part or he was just getting lip service because, I mean, after all, he's a fairly compelling fellow. He happens to be God. And so, you know, if, if God's going to be engaging with you, most of the time you're going to go along. It's just he, he is God. I mean, uh, uh, he and I had our, uh, our uh, go at it uh, 22 years ago um, uh, on, uh, on Teruah in uh, 2001. And, and after you figure out it really is God, there's not much you can say at that point. And so, you know, he wants to make certain that, that uh, Abraham and, and Ishak understand it and and so uh, he sets up a test on Mount Moriah uh, to do this. But somewhere along the way, um, I lost respect for uh, Abraham. I mean, really all respect for Abraham. I don't like him at all. I, I, uh, I particularly didn't like the fact that Abraham uh, pimped out his wife twice, not just once, but twice for, uh, for personal wealth. I thought that was revolting. I thought the way he approached the uh, um, the Sodom situation was also uh, inappropriate. I thought even lifting the the knife with his son was inappropriate. He knew that Yahweh was going to provide the lamb. Heck, a blind man would know that's going to occur. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not a fan. Um, and I think that he's, uh, excuse me to say, I think he's dumb. I think when Yahweh tries to explain to him what he's offering and what he's expecting in return, Abraham is an exceedingly slow study. Now, um, Yahweh doesn't see it that way. Uh, Yahweh calls him his friend, and, uh, and uh, Yahweh is pleased with the results. And, you know, I look at uh, Jacob, and I see a very, very troubled soul. Uh, I think Yahweh likes to paint these people the way that they really are so that, you know, we're not intimidated and say, well, those are really uh, other world Good kind guess. of people. We could never measure mm -hmm. up to that. Well, yeah, well, you, you better be able to. 
Uh, they're, they're really not so hot. Good point. But Yahweh has a way of enveloping people in his uh, set-apart spirit, so all he sees is the, the beauty of them, um, uh, everything that shines about them. But the reason I'm telling you this story is that is it was never once I learned that uh, Abraham was a real scallywag that um, well I really appreciated the terms and conditions of the covenant because I think the uh, each of them are for our benefit and of course the benefits of the covenant are well things like eternal life and, and perfection adopted into God's family yeah. and rich empowered and, uh, emancipated uh, enlightened uh, this is really good stuff right Oh, yeah. So, you know, I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to overlook the, the uh, Abraham's uh, indiscretions that, that God is saying that even you can qualify if you agree to these same terms. Uh, and I realized that Abraham was it. I mean, at that time, uh, there weren't a lot of people walking away from uh, Babylon uh, to, uh, it was actually Ur of the Chaldeans is what it's called, but uh, it was Summa that he was walking away from that uh, was a derivative of first Babylon. And so there weren't a lot of people to reach out to that would have been receptive, would have listened to him. So uh, Abraham got chosen. Long story short, God is telling us that the covenant is really established through Dode. Now, Dode isn't perfect either, but Dode is is larger than life. Uh, Well, he should be. He had three lives. Uh, Dode is the most brilliant person, probably in human history, probably the most articulate. Uh, He is full go intellectually and emotionally. Mm -hmm. He is a man's man. He is a uh, a lover. He is a fighter. He is a songwriter. Uh, He is a, uh, a leader in every way you could look at it. He is just extraordinary. And God is saying, that's my guy. I established the covenant with him. Because yeah. the covenant wasn't established by Yahweh articulating to Abraham, here are the five conditions. The five conditions you walk away from your country, from religion and politics, particularly from the influence of Babel, confusion and intermixing. You uh, walk to me and become perfect, which is you. Uh, accept the invitation to attend the Moed Mikre, and you, you particularly take advantage of, uh, of matzah. You trust and rely um, upon me. Uh, and that you come to um, observe, closely examining and carefully considering the terms and conditions of this very covenant, and that you raise your children such that they choose to be my children uh, by helping them remember, and you remember, by circumcising your sons on the on the eighth day. These are the conditions of the covenant. Uh, and karat becomes really important in this regard because that that separation yes. of circumcision mm-hmm. is the word that he used right here in terms of cutting the covenant. But the covenant is actually established through the first four Moed Mikre. Because the benefits of the covenant are eternal life, which the doorway to eternal life is opened by the Passover lamb. Perfection is the second benefit of the covenant, 
our perfection is provided by Dode having taken our guilt with his soul and deposited it in Sheol, never to be seen again. The third benefit is to be born into Yahweh's uh, royal family as sons and daughters of God, which Dode enabled when he was released from Sheol, reunited with the set-apart spirit, and returned to the Father, where the firstborn became the exemplar of firstborn children. And more than anyone, he was enriched and empowered and enlightened by Yahweh on Shavuah. But he is even more than that because he is the subject of Teruah, where we herald his message and his return with Yahweh. Mm-hmm. And he is the feature of Kippurim. It's not about twirling chickens above your head. It's recognizing your Messiah and Savior and King is returning. And it's not a day of affliction. It's not a high holy day. It is the day of reconciliations. Look up Kippur. Kippurim is just the plural because it's the reconciliation of Yisrael and Yahuda, and then both with Yahweh by the actions of Dode, who will be returning. And then five days later, we camp out with Yahweh for all time, where Dode becomes the ultimate shepherd and king of Sukkah, of camping out with Yahweh. So Dode is the one that Yahweh established the covenant through. That is what he said here. And so now we have an extraordinary individual that we can look up to as our guide in this regard and say he's our savior. He's our Messiah. He's our shepherd. He's Yahweh's chosen one. He is the son of God. Exceedingly important realization. Now, one of the ways that Yahweh Bereth differs from the human paradigm is that our God gets to choose his children. And his potential sons and daughters are afforded the opportunity to accept or reject him. While men and women can decide to conceive children, there are no additions, no checklists for preferred attitudes, attributes, abilities. We get what comes out. Wouldn't you say that's, that's true, Mom? That. <laughs> yeah. So that is the, the huge difference is Yahweh set this up is he gets to choose his own children. And don't think for a moment that God doesn't initiate contact. He does. Every important story is God reaching out to that individual. So God chooses, but he gets to choose his children after he can already witness what their attributes and attitudes are like. And that's a really good thing because he's going to spend his eternity doing stuff with them. So by contrast, as the Bashir chosen, this affirms that Yahweh selects, then he makes contact with, he introduces himself to, those with the character and personality traits that he prefers. And while we can choose our, we cannot, I should say, choose our birth parents, we are blessed with the freedom when it comes to engaging in God's family. We can choose our Heavenly Father. 
Now, volition is fundamental to all loving relationships. And mutually uh, respectful and beneficial partnerships as well. It is a gift of God, and it is given for this specific reason. So we can reciprocate. He chooses us, and then we are given the opportunity to choose him. Yahweh makes a number of promises throughout the Torah, and he is committed to honoring all of them. The first was shared with Adam and then Noah, but the most vital of these were presented to Abraham during the covenant's inception, and now God is affirming that he intends to honor those promises through Dode, who will serve as his Ebed co-worker in fulfilling them. Therefore, since the benefits of the breath were demonstrated during the Yatza Exodus and delivered through the Mikre, which means invitations to be called out and meet, father and son fulfilled them together. By opening with Karat Bereth, Yahweh has affirmed the purpose of creation, the very reason we exist why we were conceived the way we are. The very nature of how humans come together as men and women uh, to conceive children, to create a home, to shelter our families, to provide for them, to raise them, to nurture them, to guide them, to mentor them. It is all designed to demonstrate what um, what God intended. And the fact that most families are terribly fractured at many, many levels demonstrates to us just how rotten we have been to our God. Yes. God mm-hmm. wants to enjoy life um, and its greatest blessings by raising a family and interacting with his children, starting with his favorite person, his son, and our king. Since um, this is so essential to our understanding, uh, maybe we'll underscore a little bit uh, more of this, because I I just think there's very few things that we could share that are, God could share, that are are more essential, if you will, to our understanding. Right. Uh, karat as a verb mm-hmm. speaks primarily of separation. It lets us know that the covenant would be uncommon. The covenant is separate and distinct from the popular religious rhetoric. When 200,000 people show up to, uh, to bury a rabbi, you know that God is not there. There is no covenant there. Because the covenant is separate and distinct from everything that is popular. It is set apart. God says specifically that it is set apart. So it's different than the rhetoric rhetoric and the platitudes of men. To become part of the covenant, political platitudes, if you will, have to be discarded. One has to cease being a party to anything which competes with or contradicts Yahweh's instructions. 
Therefore, we must disassociate ourselves from uh, the things that are popular. Judaism, Christianity, Islam, for example, progressive politics, uh, conspiracy. And the, the primary definition of karat is to cut. It exemplifies the sign of the covenant, which I mentioned just a moment ago, which is circumcision. Mm-hmm. It demonstrates that we are to be set apart. Here and elsewhere, the Bereth covenant family is singular, and that is also essential. There is no place where it is plural. There aren't two of them. There is no such thing as a renewed or new covenant. Therefore, the whole notion of a Christian New Testament is hogwash. But the same thing would be true with the Talmud. We are either participants in the one Yahweh created um, by communicating it through Abraham and then enabled through Dode, or we are estranged from God. It's that simple. In spite of rabbinical protestations and Christian proclamations, there is no covenant with Judaism and there is no new covenant. Also, we should remain cognizant of the context in this case. God preceded this particular pronouncement about the role Dode plays in the covenant by inspiring the psalmist to affirm that he had conceived the heavens to proclaim and procreate the restoration of his family. He explained that his home was predicated on love. And then he inspired this lyricist to say that we would be wise to trust and rely upon Yahweh's testimony. Then this leads to the bold declaration about Dode, about him being Yahweh's Bashar, about being the chosen one through whom he would establish his covenant family and bring his people home. By stating La Bashar Ani, with my chosen one, Yahweh has affirmed the paramount importance of free will. He affirms that it works both ways. God can choose to include or exclude whomever he wishes. And we are free to express our desire to be adopted or to remain estranged. We can't choose to change his conditions, however. Now, in harmony with this paradigm, our Heavenly Father is reinforcing something uh, that very, very few people appreciate. In almost every case, God initiates contact, choosing the individuals he wants to be part of his family. One way or another, Yahweh reaches out to those along life's way that he wants to meet, and he introduces himself. Uh, sometimes, you know, in today's world, you might hear it on the, uh, the radio and say, or in a podcast and say, whoa, I want to get to know that God. He sounds interesting. Yeah. The, the non-religious God sounds pretty cool. He's re- he sounds approachable. He sounds likable. 
Heck, he wants to do stuff together. And once you've had that introduction, then it's up to you how you want to respond. Now, since that we, we know that Dode, very early on, was off tending sheep, did so in Bethlehem. And he walked to Shamuel, which means listens, he listens to God, uh, when called. <clears throat> he had left his father's house, just as Abraham had walked away from the cultural, religious, and political milieu of Babylon. Therefore, those seeking an introduction should be aware that we can confidently extrapolate from Dode, as well as from Abraham, even from Noah, Noah, what we should do in advance if we want God to offer an invitation to us. Dode separated himself from the community of man, from his father's home. Abraham left uh, Ur of the Chaldeans. Noah was out there living on his own. He chose not to be part of the community. And this is why Yahweh was in a position to reach out to them. Now, this is the same covenant with the same conditions and benefits that Yahweh presented in Barashith Genesis, denoting... Uh, devoting much of his text to explaining exactly how it was developed with Abraham, Sarah, and Ishak. It is the same covenant that Yahweh codified uh, over and over again, uh, designating his stipulations and his allowances and his Torah, which means guidance, uh, as it was presented through Moshe. It's the same covenant that was affirmed with Jacob. Therefore, our Heavenly Father is acknowledging that what that Dode holds a special place within his one and only family. Through this affirmation, Yahweh was saying that Dode personifies the qualities that God values. As a result, we can enhance our standing with God, indeed our value to God, and that's important because God does want to do stuff with us. He wants us to work with him by applying what Dode wrote, what he did to our lives. Now more than this, it is Yahweh's universe, and the heavens are in our spiritual realm. It's his as well. So he is entitled to choose who lives with him. Uh, and he has chosen the person whom, through whom our inclusion is possible. Note, he's our savior. What this means for us is that we are not free to replace his choice with another. As in Jesus or as in Edelman, a rabbi. There is no other gatekeeper. You're not going to find St. Peter anywhere near heaven, much less with the keys to the gate to life. Judaism and Catholicism are wrong. Yahweh's declaration eliminates the possibility that he has any association 
with either religion. He did not choose any of the individuals responsible for these religious deceptions, which may be why they failed to acknowledge those contribution to our lives. When you understand what God just said, naming Dode, and you are an advocate of the world's most popular religious cult, Christianity, shame on you. What you're saying is God is so stupid that he doesn't know Dode's name from Jesus. That he made all these promises to Dode, and yet they were really for a person that he never, ever, ever speaks about, Jesus. Not a single prophecy about a Jesus. So what do you do? You're going to go steal them all from Dode. A thousand predictions on Dode. So we'll take all of them and we're going to apply them to our myth, this Jesus fellow. As if God is so stupid that he doesn't know one name for the other. God is so disingenuous that a promise made to one can be taken from him and given to another. Shame on you. It's a reprehensible thought. It's a disgusting and degrading thought. And yet Christians will steal his title, Messiah. They will steal his relationship with God as the Son of God. They will call their Jesus, who is nothing but a misnomer and a myth, their Savior, when Yahweh clearly states that Dode is our Savior. There is no excuse for the stupidity of these things. But... Christianity does not stand exposed and condemned alone because the only reason that rabbinic Judaism exists is to refute the popularity of Christianity and to continue to be able to control Jews in the Christian era. That was the reason that Akiba came up with the false messiah, Bar Kokhba. That's the reason there is a star of David. That is the reason that there is a Talmud was all to refute and to respond to the rise in popularity of this new religious cult which robbed everything God said about Dode to create this myth of Jesus. And all the rabbis had to say if they were actually honest, if they actually cared for Jews, all they had to say is, there was no person named Jesus. The Messiah is Dode and only Dode. The king who is returning is Dode and only Dode. And God clearly claims that Dode is the Son of God and our Savior. You are idiots to claim that these promises were made to someone else. All you had to do. And the religion vanishes. Instead, the rabbis denied the fulfillment of Pesach, Matzah, Bakurim, and Shabuah. They denied Dode was the Messiah. They denied that Dode was the Son of God. They denied that Dode was our Savior. All of those things, which were every bit as egregious as Christians creating a myth and ascribing all of these things to their religious myth. God is not humored by any of it. He is genuinely disgusted. Every religion fails to acknowledge Dode's contribution to our lives.
If we want to be part of Yahweh's covenant, we do so through Dode or not at all. And that is as monumental a pronouncement as exists from the moment of the creation of the universe. Agreed. Now, it is fairly uncommon for God to swear. And we're no longer broadcasting uh, uh, on Blog Talk Radio, but we are continuing to be recorded. Most of our our contemporaneous listeners call in, and they're still listening to the uh, the program. Plus, about 99% of the listeners to this program uh, do so on the archives of this uh, program. So uh, we'll continue to talk through this particular declaration, Ms. Moore, 89.3. And then we'll pick up uh, our program next week with 89.4. So there are some more insights I still want to share on 89.3 because it is just so essential to understanding what God is offering and what he expects in return. So while it is very uncommon for God to swear an oath to men, when he says, Shabbat Dod, I have sworn an oath, and I will affirm this promise seven times over with Dod. And by the way, there is no way to distinguish in Hebrew between Shabbat, I have sworn, I have made a promise, and the number seven. They're written identically. So we ought to convey both concepts if we're going to be honest in our translation. Mm-hmm. So we need to pay special attention to what God says so that we come to understand the dynamics behind his calculus and the benefits that he is offering through it. For example, our acceptance of the covenant's terms will lead to its benefits because they were all enabled by Yahweh working through Dode to fulfill the Moedim. And that explains why Yahweh delivered upon his promise seven times. Yes, Dod served as the Passover lamb. His nondescript body did, and he fulfilled matzah by having his soul accept the guilt of every covenant member and took it into Sheol. And that Yahweh celebrated what he had done by reuniting with his son on and enriching and empowering him on Shabuah. But none of that is possible by Dode alone. And Dode fully recognizes this. That Dode volunteered to serve in this fashion, to work with Yahweh as his son, to accomplish these objectives, but it's still Yahweh's doing. He's the enabler throughout this process. But clearly... Uh, they are all with all seven affirmations of this vow. They are working together um, to fulfill Pesach Masabakodim Shabua in the Yobo year of uh, of, of four thousand uh, yeah, uh, and they are going to work together as father and son to fulfill uh, Teruah. And um, uh, then thereafter, Kapuram and Sukkah in your 6,000. Yeah, they are a father and son team. And we don't have to look beyond the next word to appreciate the fact that 
Yah's favorite son is special. Yahweh presents Dode as Ibidani, my associate, my co-worker. Now he uses the term also in conjunction with Moshe. Moshe, Dode being the exemplar of the covenant, the exemplar of Yisrael, our Savior, the Son of God. Those are all spectacular accolades. They don't diminish what Moshe did. Right. They, uh, they are hand in glove. They're the two most extraordinary people in history, the, the two people that Yahweh accomplished the most through. This in turn reinforces something which should be obvious to us all, which is rather than imposing himself on his creation, God searches out individuals who will respond to his invitation, allowing him to work through us for our mutual benefit. Patiently and parentally, he prepares his children so that we can be about our father's business. It's one of the most remarkable and enduring aspects of God's nature. And it all goes back to an experience where Yahweh said, listen, I'm going to make an announcement to the children of Israel, gather everybody uh, together. The purpose of my announcement, uh, speaking to Moshe, is I want the children of Israel to know for certain that I am speaking through you and that I gave you the, uh, the Torah. Uh, so I'm going to provide absolute proof that you're my guy and that I'm working through you. That's the purpose of this meeting. And so uh, Moshe gathers everybody together. God makes his uh, announcement, and the people cry like out. scared little yeah. children. Yeah. Don't do that. He's got too big a voice, too scary. Don't want to ever hear from him again. Tell him to go away. And, and God said, okay, 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 I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it, okay. You know, um, when you are who you are, which is, you know, you're grumpy and embittered and everything else, you're embarrassed. And, you know, to have God looking down on you and speaking directly to you is embarrassing to you. So I get it. You want me to uh, to tone it down and to do that so that I can relate to you at a level that you're capable of being comfortable, I'm going to tone it down by working through one of you. And the person I choose to work through is Moshe. The same thing is true with Dode. Uh, Moshe and Dode are God dialing it down so that we're comfortable in approaching him, so that he's not so imposing that we fear him or that we worship him or that we get down on our knees or pray to him or any of that kind of stuff. He didn't want any of that. He wants to do stuff with us. He wants us to approach him as, as sons and daughters. And so to do that, he communicates through individuals like Moshe and Dod. And while all of that is important to us, um, and especially so with Dod, during the most important acts in human history, the uh, particularly pursuant to the relationship with uh, God, Dod was there. He fulfilled Passover with his Bashar, corporal body. It served as the sacrificial lamb. During unyeasted bread, Dode's nephesh soul carried the guilt of every child of the covenant into Sheol. He deposited our guilt there, never to be seen again. That's how we were perfected. The result was firstborn children with Yahweh's Bakur, firstborn son, leading the way. 
having paid the price to redeem us, Dode's perfected soul was reunited with the Ruach Kodesh, that means Ruach Kodesh means set-apart spirit, and escorted back home to heaven, where he became the first to receive the benefits of the promise of seven during Shabuah. As a result, we are sufficiently enriched and enlightened ourselves as covenant members to trumpet his return. Uh, calling for his people to come back to Yah, to embrace Dod on Teruah, calling Yehudim home. Our focus is on heralding the Chosen One and proclaiming his role in our salvation so that God's people are prepared for Dod's return on the day of reconciliation so that he becomes king of shelters. That is what Yahweh has just shared with us. Mm -hmm. It's the fulfillment of his seven promises. It is the enablement of his family, the building of his home. And it is all through the one that he chose to work with and through. And his name is Dote. That's God's story. Now, we are going to hear him regale about Dode. Uh, he's going to go so far before we're through here. He is going to, Yahweh is going to call Dode the equivalent of God. He's going to use Elion to speak of his son. Elion is used throughout the Torah to describe Almighty God. It's going to be used directly in association with, with Elion. It's kind of uh, with Dode. It's kind of funny in a way, because the rabbis will say, "No, no, no. Uh, David can't be the son of God, even though God says so, because they're different species." <laughs> no, they're not. So, so, so God says, "Okay, so I've got an answer for that. He's God too." And for uh, those who say, "Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute," you know, man can't become God. Oh yeah, we can. What's the whole purpose of the covenant? Mm -hmm. God's going to enrich us and empower us and enlighten us and and emancipate us so that we go from uh, being stuck in a three-dimensional construct as we are now with still lots of capabilities and and a wonderful opportunity, but we go from this 3D physical deteriorating body and our soul within that body to being liberated not just in the fourth dimension of time, which would be pretty spectacular, but in the fifth yeah. and sixth dimensions of this universe and all the way into the seventh dimension of the spiritual realm, each increase being infinity. Infinite. Yeah, That's I don't what want to derail the... To do Go ahead. I don't want to derail your train of thought, but it just struck me that, like, that's the lie that Hashatan presented Chawa in the, in the beginning, to be like God, sure. but not the right way. Yes. So when man tries to become like God, that's what Chawa did. That's what you just mentioned. Uh, most people don't yeah. know, but um, the reason that uh, Hashatan, uh, who was a cherubim, a, a, a cherub, 
uh, mm-hmm. one of the cherubs guarding the the, uh, um, the boundary wall of, of Eden, keeping it safe. Uh, the reason he appealed effectively to Chawa, it's not Eve, uh, Chawa, uh, means to speak one's mind. It does not mean life giver. It means to speak out and make a declarative statement. And she most certainly did. She declared she wanted to be like God. Yeah. Uh, and she was jealous of God because here she was Definitely. created uh, to be uh, uh, Adam's uh, bud. And uh, Adam was more interested in God than Adam was in her. And Adam Mm -hmm. did a really rotten job of bringing her along so that she would also be as interested in Yahweh as he was. And he also failed her in uh, in teaching her what she needed to know to respond effectively to these kinds of, uh, of offers. But Hasatan prevailed with Chawa because Shawa wanted to be like God. And yep. when man That's tries to be like God, we make a real mess of it. We make gods in our own image. Jesus, yeah. Allah, Makes sense, sure. uh, are gods in our image. Yeah. Hashem is the God of the rabbis. Uh, it, what God is saying is, I want to adopt my covenant family and raise and empower and enrich my children so they inherit all that I have. And because I made you in my image, by the time I'm finished empowering you, there's going to be very little distinction between us. And the less distinction there is between us and Yahweh, the happier Yahweh is going to be. That means that doing stuff together is going to be more fun. And so we ought not be bothered by the idea of Yahweh saying of Dode, he is Elion, Almighty God. Because that's the intent of the covenant, is to make us all like that. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is where we're headed. So sense, I can't expand it. <laughs> it just does. It's it just all so put wow. together. It's so I mean, this is, such a beautiful years picture. Of, That's why I get so frustrated that 200,000 ultra-Orthodox phones in their morning suits could go out and bury a rabbi as opposed to celebrate the, the life of the living of Dode. Why not spend the day celebrating Dode as opposed to bury some misleading rabbi? Edelpanzer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Edelberry. I I don't know. It's just long forgotten by now. Oh, I can tell you. I can tell you for certain that uh, Yahweh has no recollection of this individual whatsoever, and that Yahweh himself will not even proceed over his judgment, that he's going to send, it probably will be uh, uh, Elia that is responsible under uh, Dode's direction of uh, of judging him. And Elia will make very, very uh, quick order of uh, of this. You are a piece of shit, uh, Edelberry, and... Welcome to Sheol. Get comfortable. You're going to be here forever. Uh, you, some of your favorite people will be here, though. My mommies will be here, and 
Uh, the uh, Baal Shem Tor, Tov, the Lord of the Good Name, he'll be there. You'll uh, you guys will get along great. Um, yeah, keep him, Mamamides. He'll uh, all, all be there. I can't even imagine it. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, I might even get to let's just keep your uh, your black morning clothes. It'd be perfect for the black <laughs> you hole. See him. <laughs> I mean, how could you be so stupid? That you're a teacher of Torah, it's what you claim, and you can't figure out that the Torah and Prophets, uh, the number one theme in the Torah and Prophets is God despises religion. It's the number one theme. Overrides all other themes. God despises religion. Second unto it is God despises politics and human governance. Yeah all forms of, uh, of lies and conspiracies and false notions, um, devaluing his name, which is uh, central to Judaism. They won't say Yahweh's name under any circumstance. And devaluing his son, which is essential to the formation of Judaism. Yahweh's son is not considered to be his son, not considered to be the Messiah, not considered to be the Savior. Um, he's just one of one of many. Uh, for most, nothing but a sperm donor. They're looking forward to a Messiah who will be the seed of Dode, as if Dode's contribution will be sperm. Hmm. Pretty, pretty sad when God goes to this late to tell us the Messiah has a name. It's Dode. Uh, I'm returning yeah, with him. Because we don't die. Yeah, yeah and, and Dode has three lives. And it's, yeah. God's so explicit in saying that he has three lives, that I'm awakening to each of these lives. You know, Dode's soul is eternal. It's, uh, it's, uh, God can put Dode's soul in a nondescript body to fulfill Pesach, no big deal. Pesach, yeah, okay. yeah. And he can bring Dode's soul back as he did uh, on Bakudim, taking it back to heaven. And Dode's soul can come back as brilliant as the sun as Elyon on Kippurim. And, you know, the people that get all hung up over physical bodies and resurrections and all that sort of thing, in almost all cases, a body is a liability. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to be a spiritual being because you can't leave the three dimensions that we're in now with a physical body. And you'll age. Yeah, physical bodies, there are times they have advantages. You can sing songs. You can eat meals. You can put your, uh, your feet in the sand and uh, have the waves caress them. There, you can feel the sun on your cheeks. There, there are times when having a physical body uh, will be valuable. You choose them. You know, it's E equals MC square means that we can take some of our energy, our light and spiritual energy, and transform it into uh, matter at any time of our choosing. Joy, the benefits of having a physical body, and then returned to being a spiritual being and be able to travel across the universe. It's really incredible. 
infinitely empowered four times over from where we are now. Hmm. So we'll return uh, this time uh, next week. We're going to return to uh, um, uh, the next statement, uh, which is uh, Mismore 89.4. I um, obviously know that if we only get through one statement a uh, a week, we'll be at it for a while. Uh, There are some some statements that are as powerful as this one as we move through the, the psalm. But this is the foundation of the cornerstone of Yahweh's home. So rather than looking yeah. up to the Temple Mount and saying, well, we need to build a new temple up there, why don't you just look at the cornerstone that God has already placed for you to examine and capitalize upon. That's, uh, that's the 89th Mismore, and we're going to celebrate it over uh, the uh, those next few months as we continue to do this program. All right, we're about uh, three minutes, I think, from Blog Talk Radio saying uh, good night. <laughs> Thank you for playing. Thank you. Bye. We'll, uh, we'll look forward to being with you uh, next week. Uh, may Yah bless. Have a wonderful Shabbat to, uh, to one and all, and to particularly to our friends in Yisrael. Just because we are um, exposing and condemning progressives for being confused and thoughtless, just because we're exposing and condemning the Herodim for being useless parasites, does not make us bad people. Uh, If you're open and honest, you know what we're saying is true. You know what we're saying is what God is saying. Yahweh's view is identical to this. And if you're in that 20 or 30 percent of Israel who isn't this overtly political and is not so overtly religious that you're still open to the message of of Yahweh. Then welcome home. We will do everything in our power to help you come to know and understand what Yahweh is offering Mm -hmm. and expecting in return such that you choose to become part of his family. And we want nothing back from you other than perhaps a uh, a smile and uh, and an opportunity to enjoy a uh, a wonderful experience together sometime in eternity. Um, and, of course, if you choose to become part of the covenant, we would certainly encourage you to do everything you can to help others come to know you. Yeah. Well, may Yah bless. Um, uh, we look forward to being with you this time uh, next week as we continue to study Dode Song, the cornerstone of Yahweh's family. Good night. Shabbat shalom, y'all. Night. Shabbat shalom.